0: I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Isn't it great to be in God's house today with God's people? Amen. Amen. It's good to see you. If you're visiting with us this morning, we want to welcome you to Spirit Life. We want you to feel at home today. You say, why do you worship the Lord so exuberantly the way that you do? It's a little noisier than what I'm used to. It's a little more... Active than what you're used than I, what I'm used to and all I can tell you is is that when you've experienced in your life what we have amen you just can't keep silent you've got to worship the Lord and the scripture says clap your hands all you people and just shout unto God with a voice of, of triumph talks about the musicians using the drums and the cymbals and making a loud noise every now and then we break out in a in a little two-step around here because we, we, we are desperately in love with Jesus Christ, amen. He has saved us from our sin, and we are delighted that we can worship him in such freedom. So thank you for coming and being with us today. We're honored that you would uh, choose to worship with us. There are so many wonderful churches in, in Louisville that you could have chosen, but to be here today is a delight and an honor for us. If you are visiting and this is your first time, if you don't mind... Just reach in front of you in the seat, and there's a visitor's card, a connection card. If you'd fill that out and give us a little information about who you are and where you come from, we would we dearly would love to just thank you for your coming today. And if you'll take that card and take it to the very back, to the information desk, they have a very special guest, uh, gift that they'd like to give you today. It is a never-before-eaten Hershey bar. Nobody has ever bitten on it, never licked on it. It's not used candy. It's brand spanking new. And we'd like to bless you with that today. So again, thank you for being here. Not this morning, Linda. Thank you, though. <clears throat> this, this coming week, as you know, is camp meeting. Uh, for those of you who have been around the Church of God For a long period of time, you know that each year we have a gathering of all of the churches within the state of um, Kentucky, and we're going to meet together this week in Lexington at the campground, and we are encouraging you. I realize that it'd be very difficult for you to get there every night this week, but we're trying to make an effort to get as many people from Spirit Life over to the campground this Wednesday night. Our very special guest for the night is Dr. Tim Hill, who was with us here at Spirit Life a couple of weeks ago. Um, Many of you know him. He's been in the Church of God for many years. Let me tell you, there's not a better communicator in the Church of God than Tim Hill. He is a wonderful preacher, a terrific singer, and he is going to be our guest Wednesday night. Now, we're going to meet, a few of us are going to meet at Cracker Barrel at 5 p.m. Is that correct, 5 p.m.? At the Versailles exit. So, if you're going to meet us at Cracker Barrel, we need to know who you are so that we know how many seats to save. There's a sign-up sheet right back at the guest desk, and we need for you to sign up today, because if you don't sign up, we won't know to save you a seat. But if you can meet us there, now listen very carefully. There's road construction on I-64, and it's very heavy. But there is a way around. For every temptation, there is a way of escape, right? That's what the Bible says. So if you'll get off at the Simpsonville exit and turn left and go down to Route 60 and go about five miles down on Route 60 and then get back out on 64 and go towards Lexington, you will miss the road construction entirely. It wouldn't hurt for you to start a few minutes earlier than you normally would because of that, uh, but we're expecting to have a wonderful time this Wednesday night in Lexington uh, at 5 o'clock at the Cracker Barrel, and then church begins at 7. If you can't make Cracker Barrel, uh, then come on over to the campground, and uh, the way you get there is get off on the Versailles exit, go until you can't go any further. It will dead end, turn left, go past... The airport, and just over on the right hand side past the airport, uh, then you will see the Church of God campground there. Come over, we'll all sit together and we'll have a great time. And uh, I promise you, you will not be sorry. You will enjoy the ministry of Tim Hill. So I want to encourage you to be there. Next Sunday is Father's Day, and we always like to celebrate it around here on Father's Day. They say, That Father's Day is the least attended Sunday in any church in America than any other. Mother's Day is typically the most uh, frequently attended. And it's because if you ask a mother what she would like to have for, for Mother's Day, she would say, more times than not, all I need is for you to come with me to church. And sons and daughters and grandparents, grandsons and daughters come to church because that's what mom asked for. Typically, a father will say, I want to go camping or I need a new fishing rod or I want to go play golf. I want to do anything other than go to church. That's a little bit sad, but that's the reality of uh, the American church. We want to invite you to come next week. We have a guest speaker by the name of George Moxley. And I promise you, you will enjoy the ministry of George Moxley. You never know what's going to come out of his mouth. You have to listen to every word that he says very closely because you will come back and you will say, did he just say that? And you will realize that he did and he made a very good point. So you want to be here. Every individual who is who is. Of the male species, we're going to give one of these beautiful camouflage hats next week. You can't have one today, and you can't get one later. So if you don't get one on Father's Day, you don't get one. But for every man and boy that attends church next week, we're going to give you this camouflage hat that has a logo right here, bright orange, that says Spirit Life. It's our gift to you, and we want you to come and be a part of our festivities next week. You're going to enjoy the ministry of George Moxley, so be here with us if you will. And then finally, before I preach and we pray and move on, most of you know um, uh, Bill and Tammy Bailey, uh, who uh, attended with us. They were located here in Louisville for a year, a year and a half, somewhere in that neighborhood. He was a very... Uh, tall man, big bruiser kind of guy, bald-headed. His wife, Tammy, was on staff with us at the child care center. Wonderful family, very faithful to this church during the time that they were here. They moved back to West Virginia to take the job that he left, and uh, this week their house caught fire and burned to the ground. They have literally lost everything that they had and that they owned. And so I thought that it would be great if we could assist them in some way. And so I'm going to ask the ushers to come, if you would, with the baskets. And, and we're just going to pass them down the roads. I'm, Rose, I'm going to give you just a moment to get your checkbook out. <clears throat> if you want to give on the church app, you can do that. If you have cash, you can do that. If you want to write a check... Uh, you can do that and just simply write the check to Spirit, Life, Church of God, and on your memo, just put "Bailey family." And we'll know what you mean, and we'll make sure that they get 100 percent of whatever comes in to this offering. You know, we hate when these kinds of things happen, uh, but the good news is is that there was no one in the home at the time. Everyone was safe. And the only thing they lost was their stuff. And how many of you know that stuff can be replaced? Amen. So I want you to join me. My wife and I are going to join. I think she's giving now on the church app. She's giving me the thumbs up. She's doing it that way. And uh, we're going to get that in the offering today. And we will get that to them this week as soon as it all processes in. If you didn't bring your checkbook today and you want to do it later in the week, that will be fine. We'll make sure that they get everything that that we give on their behalf. Wonderful, wonderful family. We love them so very much, and we're so sorry and sad that this happened. But we know that God will take all things, even the bad things, and turn them for our good because that's the kind of God that we serve. So today, if you will give generously and liberally, we'll see to it that this family is ministered to. Let's pray. Father, thank you for every offering that is given today. I pray that you will allow this offering to be a generous one, a substantial one, so that we can reach out to those who we love so dearly and bless them with what we have. Lord, I thank you that no one was harmed and no one was hurt in this fire. And I thank you that you are going to turn this negative situation into a positive thing for their lives and that their faith will grow. Lord, we teach around here that we are to explore our faith in every season of life. That means in the good times and in the bad times. And I pray, Lord, that you will help them to use this circumstance to dig deep into their soul. And, Lord, to grow and mature in their faith because of this circumstance. You're not going to leave them alone. They're not alone. We are standing with them along with the other local expressions of the body of Christ. And I pray that you'll touch them, strengthen them. Lord, I pray that you will not allow fear to find a place to grow a root in their spirit. I pray that not one night will be lost worrying about whether or not it's going to happen again, but they will have confidence and know that your hand is upon their life and that as long as they are in your hands, then they are safe because of you. So, Lord, receive our offering now as we give freely and liberally and bless this family, we ask in Jesus' lovely name. Amen and amen. Ushers, if you would pass the baskets, and we'll give you the opportunity today to give. I don't know. I think the children have been dismissed, have they? To the back building or to the side building? I, I didn't see them going out, but I, I think most of them are gone. We're, as you know, trying something a little different throughout the summer season uh, to, to, uh, to accommodate a little bit of a break and a rest for those who have given themselves. Um, in service to this ministry. So uh, hopefully it'll work out and all will will be good. Okay, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, I'd like for you to take them and turn, if you will, first of all, to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, and then stick your finger in that place uh, and then turn over to John chapter 4, if you will. We'll begin with Matthew chapter 9, and then we will go to John chapter 4. Matthew chapter 9, and then John chapter 4. I've asked the Lord this morning to help me to preach this message properly. I, I have asked him to help me to preach effectively. I, I've asked him to help me preach in such a way that it does not sound self-serving in any way whatsoever, but I, I have this on my heart and in my spirit today, and I, I honestly I tried to get out of preaching this. I, I asked the Lord to let me preach something else, and I just kept coming back and kept coming back and kept coming back, and I believe there's a reason for it. And so this morning, I want you to listen carefully, and I want us to allow the word to penetrate deeply into our spirit this morning, because we need to be the very best that we can be because of Jesus Christ in these last days. I've entitled this message this morning simply, The Harvest. Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38 says, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages." Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And then in John chapter 4, verses 31 through 35, it says, Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see." that the fields are white for harvest. Father, thank you for your word. I pray that you'll help me to speak effectively today. I pray for those who are listening to me today that their ears will be turned in a spiritual way to hear the truth of the word of God. And I pray that at the conclusion of this message that there will be men and women in this house who will rise to the occasion who will become dissatisfied with not being involved in reaping the harvest, and that you will cause them to see that they are needed. This local expression of the body of Christ needs them to step up and take their place and utilize their gifts if this church is to succeed. I believe that success is on the horizon for us, Because men and women are going to stand up and take their place and do what you've called them to do. I ask it in Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may not know this, but eight years ago this month, there was a church in Louisville, Kentucky that met with the administrative bishop for the Church of God in Kentucky by the name of Keith Ivester. And in that meeting declared that they wanted to start a new local expression of the body of Christ. There had been some tough times and some hard times that had to be fought through, but there were a group of people here who said, I believe with the Lord's help that we can be a Phoenix church that rises out of the ashes and becomes everything that God intends it to be. Just a few days after that meeting where a positive vote was given to start what has now become the Spirit Life Church of God, there was a phone call that came to this man and this woman and saying, would you consider coming and taking the lead role at this congregation? And we accepted and came, and we've been here now eight years, and we're getting ready to begin our ninth year together. Can you, can you believe that? It's hard to imagine. I have never been anywhere in my life where the miracles of God have been as evident as they have been in this local body in the last eight years. I cannot believe even still some of the things that God has done and the ways that he has resourced us. When I first came to you, I I didn't really know what the vision would be long term, but I knew what God had spoken into my spirit several months prior to my coming here, and I didn't even know I was coming here. I just know that the Holy Spirit spoke to me very clearly one day in my office and said, The church that you pastor will have these characteristics, they will be a people of purity. They will be a people of prayer. They will be a people who obey the precepts of the word of God. They will fight their battles and they will win. And they will will become people of praise and thanksgiving and worship. And they will have an influence in the community that will cause people to come to the kingdom of God through salvation. And I'm telling you for the last eight years we've been watching that happen. Our church is known now for as a church that has taken a very difficult situation and has repaired our influence in the community. We are known as a congregation of purity, a people who are standing clean before God. We have answered the call to prayer. Many of you don't know this, but we've got a prayer team that. Every service, any time that we meet, be it Wednesday night or Sunday morning, there's a group of people and a team of people that meet together, and they intercede on behalf of Louisville, our community, the world, the global ministries that we're involved with, with you individually and the needs that you have. If you have a need in your life, this team prays every week. Uh, just just under a year ago, Governor Matt Bevan called for the churches in Louisville to begin praying and prayer walking on the west end of Louisville. Many churches refused to be involved in that, but our church decided that God had called us to do that. And for the, ever since he called us to do that, we've had two teams of prayer walkers who have consistently gone down to the west end and have been praying every week for the community there. And we're beginning to see some breakthroughs we're beginning to see and get reports from pastor Matt that the community now are expecting us to be there they are they're looking for us to be there they're beginning to build relationships with us. They're, they're talking to us. They're speaking to us. They're, they're interacting with us. When we first started, that was not the case. But God is opening doors for us, and we are going to a place where many would not go, but we are going because God called us to do it, and we are beginning to see the results. Some said, well, Pastor, you know, really, what good is prayer alone going to do? Our governor needs to step up and do more. Our city needs to step up and do more. I agree with you 100%, and so does he, and so do they, and they are doing more. Did you hear the, week, the, the report this week? that LMPD, in an effort to try to get among the people more clearly, have decided to buy some four-wheelers so that they can put police officers on the four-wheelers, and they can ride down the alleyways, they can ride down the streets, they can ride up into the front yards of the community there, and it's a pilot program that they're seeing great success with, and they're talking about expanding that into other areas of the community. That didn't just accidentally happen that happened because a people of God decided to pray and open doors of of influence into those communities and I believe that we're just beginning to see the tip of the iceberg of what it is that God is going to do among us and through us if we will remain faithful we've been doing what the Word of God says we refuse to be hearers only but we are doers of the word and we are accepting the precepts of God. I don't know how many times people have come to me and said, Pastor, I'm so thankful that you preach the word of God because I was living in a state of sin when you preached a word that convicted my heart and my spirit and I was challenged to live differently than I had been living. And because of the choice that I made to walk away from my sinfulness and... To take on a new attitude and perform new actions in my life. I'm living now in a new uh, maturity that I could have never had had it not been for the Word of God being enlightened in my spirit. We're we're becoming people of praise and worship. I I was watching this team worship today and and praise the Lord and honor the Lord. Listen. And we've had great musicians in this church for a long time, even before I got here. There's some of the best that the world has to offer. But there's nothing that, that, that encourage me more, encourages me more and excites me more than to see people who are not professional musicians. They're not professional singers. They're just common people like you and me who get on this stage every weekend and sing and lift up Jesus Christ and praise him. And I see young people that are standing up here on this platform. And they're worshiping and praising the Lord. And and they're honoring Jesus Christ. And you see them up here playing bass guitars and bongos. And and, and we see when, when we have our drummer move out of town, we discover that we've got a drummer that is right here among us sitting on the pews. And we didn't even know it. And he rose to the occasion and sat behind those drums and now plays every weekend along with the others in the rotation. I'm telling you, we have become a people of praise. We are becoming a people of worship. We are becoming a people of thanksgiving. God is raising us up. He is giving us victory on every hand. And I'm here to tell you today that we're only just beginning to see the beginning of all that God has in store for us. Give him praise in the house today. But I also told you there would come a season and a time when God would open up doors of influence so that we could reach people, so that we could reach them in their pain and in their hurt and in their discouragement. And I would like to suggest to you today that I believe in my spirit that we are entering that phase. We've already been in it. Many of you don't know, but We have a child care center over here that was started not as a business, but as a ministry. We wanted to reach our community and therefore every individual, every family that comes in and wants to be a part of this child care, they're told right up front, we'd love to have your child here, but you need to know we're going to teach them about Jesus. We're not going to tell them about Joseph Smith. We're not going to tell them about Hare Krishna. We're not going to tell them about Muhammad. But we are going to, without any doubt, lift up and teach Jesus Christ. And Monday through Friday, every day of the week, I walk up and down these hallways, hearing young kids singing, Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible, and Miss Carolyn, and Miss Kate, and Miss Amy, and all the others have told me so. I'm telling you, we've entered into a season of great influence. In just a couple of months, with the Lord's help, we're going to open up Spirit Life Christian Academy, and we're going to tell them about Jesus Christ, and we're going to tell them Tell them about who he is. And we're not backing down. We're not going to let the devil keep us from doing what God has called us to do. He has raised us up. He has resourced us to do what only we can do. And we're going to do it. Our spirit life journey has been one of great resourcing by the hand of God. We are here today because God has refused to let this church die. He has sent people our way to raise us up to another level and a higher level. And I'm telling you, the future is bright. But with that said, there comes a time when we have to do some things a little bit differently. God doesn't just automatically do things. He requires his people to cooperate with the process. I, you may remember the Israelites when they were set free from the bondage uh, of Egypt and they, they came up against the Red Sea. Up to that point, God had always fed them every day. He had a cloud in the sky and, 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 and he, 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 he walked with them. and he was at, But when, when, when they walked across that Red Sea and got on the other side, they had to help God, have God's help but they entered into a new season. They no, no longer ate manna every day. They had to harvest the fruit of the field. They had to start participating. And let me tell you, I believe in my spirit that that's where we are, that God has opened great doors, but it's going to require a greater time of sacrifice and, 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 and participating in what God has for us. So there are some things that we're going to need. I want to suggest three to you today. The first thing is that we need eyes to see. Jesus said, look at the fields. In other words, what he was saying is, is that we need to refocus our eyes from where they are now to where they need to be. We need to look Differently than we've ever looked before. I recently heard a young minister make this comment and it impacted me. He asked this question. He said, has the Christian church traded its windows for mirrors? Let me say that again. Has the Christian church traded his windows, its windows for mirrors? In other words, Are we looking more at ourselves than we are looking at the windows that will give us a fresh perspective? Here's the point he was trying to make. The modern day church has become very selfish in its efforts. We're more concerned about ourselves than we are the harvest that needs us. We get more concerned about our programming and our finances and the things that maintain and sustain a church than we do getting out among the people and loving them and caring about them and providing for them what they have need of. I read an article the other day that said that one of the reasons that we're seeing so many auto accidents in the city is because the younger generation simply does not know that the rear-view mirror is a safety feature. That it is, to be, it is to be directed out the back window so that you can see when cars are approaching and avoid an accident. More and more, young people are making the choice to focus the mirror on themselves. So that they can see whether or not they look happy. So that they can see whether or not their hair needs to be fixed. So that they can see whether or not their eye makeup is on just as it should be. Or their, their uh, lipstick is on the way that it should be. And every time that they pull up to a stoplight... Now they don't have to bring the mirror over so that they can see it because they made a decision that I'm going to leave the mirror pointed at me so that I can always make sure that I look the way that I should. Have you ever noticed how many selfies are taken inside a vehicle? Have you ever noticed how many texts are sent from inside a vehicle? Now, I'm not being critical today, but what I'm suggesting to you is, is that we're more concerned about ourselves than we are others. And the true child of God must always be outwardly focused if we're going to fulfill what God has called us to do. Listen, I like for my hair to be in place. I like to make sure that my eye makeup is on the way that it should be and my lipstick is where it should be. I like all that. I'm only kidding. The point I'm making is is that if we turn this thing around and all we ever see is us, all we ever see is our circumstances, all we ever see is our hurt, all we ever see is our need, then we will never be able to be properly focused so that we can receive the harvest that God has for us. There was a French-born Quaker minister by the name of Stephen Grellett. He lived in the 1800s and he lived in a part of the country where there were a lot of um, uh, woodcutters. And, 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 uh, and they, were, they were bringing the forest and cutting them and preparing the wood and bringing them into the, the lumber yards and thing of, things of that nature. And they lived in these, these encampments on, in, in the backwoods of, of the nation. And one day, this Quaker minister was praying, and he felt in his spirit, and the Lord spoke to him, and he said, preach. And he said, well, what are you saying, Lord? I do that all the time. I do it every day. I do it in the midst of the congregations that I visit. And he said, preach. And he said, well, Lord, where would you have me preach? Where would you have me to take the message? And he said, I want you to take it to the woodcutter's. And I want you to go into those camps and preach. And so so he said to the Lord, he said, Lord, there are hundreds of these encampments. How would I know which one to go to? And the Lord spoke to him about, about one particular encampment. And he said, I want you to go there and I want you to preach. So he saddled up his mule and he started heading in the direction of that encampment. And when he got there two or three days later, he went in and he discovered that it had been abandoned. There was no one there. The woodcutters who had been there had gone on. They had moved on to another part. And so he thought, well, I must have misheard the Lord. I must have gotten the wrong message from him. I must have failed. And he got his uh, donkey turned around, and he is getting ready to go outside of the encampment. And the Holy Spirit said, preach. And he said, I don't know what it is you're wanting me to do, Lord. I know you're up to something, though. I know I can feel in my spirit that you're doing something, and so I'm going to preach. And he got down off of his donkey, and he went inside the largest building that was there where they would have eaten, and he goes up to one side, and he stands up there, and he begins to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. There was not a soul in the building. There was not a person in the town as far as he knew. And he preached, and when he got done preaching, the Lord said, give an altar call. And he said, if there's any of you in the house today that you need to turn your life over to Jesus Christ and you want to do that today, I invite you to come and pray at this altar and let Jesus into your heart. Obviously, no one came. He felt like a failure. He felt like a fool. He felt like that he had been involved in something that was just a waste of time. He went outside. He got himself back on his donkey and he went home. About four or five years later, Mr. Grellett was preaching in a conference. There were hundreds of people there. And he was preaching a gospel message. And when church was over, this great big man came up to him and he said, You are the man. And he said, What are you talking about? He said, Do you remember about four or five years ago that you rode in on a donkey into into an encampment? And you went into the mess hall and you preached. He said, I was there that day. He said, I was too afraid to come into the building. I didn't know what you were doing. I had no understanding about the message that you were preaching. I stayed outside and I looked through the cracks of the building and I watched you preach And I heard every word you said about this Savior named Jesus. And when you gave the altar call, I fell on my face before him on the outside of that building. And I gave my life to Jesus Christ. He said, I've been preaching the same message that you preached. Ever since that time, he would said, I went back to the camp and I told everybody about it. He said, I told them what you said. And I, and I got me a Bible and I started becoming the man that God had wanted me to be. And he said, three of my buddies got saved. They started preaching. And said so the four of us started preaching to all of these lumberjacks. And he said, the last I counted, I want you to know that over one 1,000 lumberjacks have given their hearts to Jesus Christ all because of a message that you preached in an encampment where you thought no one was. Let me tell you today, if God has called you, uh, you better respond to the voice of the Lord in your life because you have been empowered to do what he has called you to do. I know people who wouldn't preach at all if they didn't have a crowd of a thousand. I know men that wouldn't preach at all unless they had a VIP team to lead them in and out of the church service. I'm a pretty smart man. I know how to get in here, and I know how to get out of here. I have to have somebody leading me in. But I know people that have become so selfish in their view that the only thing they can see is how they look let me tell you something the best ministry that I have ever seen in my lifetime is down in the dirt hard no fun stuff where people live every day of their lives and need somebody to walk in with a message of hope and a message of grace that can lift them up out of the shadows and put them into his marvelous light we need eyes to see we need a heart to feel circumstances of life have caused some of us to become callous to the blessings of God life is hard life is tough life is difficult sometimes we have things that we have to face but let me tell you the difference between us and and people who don't have Christ in their lives. If you have Christ in your life today, you have every resource that you'll ever need to be successful. He has called you to abundant life. When the enemy comes against you like a flood, he will raise up a standard that will allow you to be victorious in everything that you attempt. But those who are outside of Christ have no such thing. They have they don't have the blessings of God upon their life. They don't have the resources of God in their life. They don't have what you and I have. Life is hard. When Jesus saw them, the scripture says that he perceived that they were sheep without a shepherd. They didn't have anybody in their life to preach to them and to help them know when it was time to lay down in green pastures and when it was time to rise up and drink from the streams that were flowing. I don't, I don't sound, mean to sound arrogant and I hope you don't take it this way, but I've invested a lot of time in preaching the word of God to you, not so that you can say, oh, what a fine pastor we have, what a great preacher that he is. I'm not, I don't care about any of that. What I do care about is that you eat the word of God and that you bring it into your spirit and apply it in such a way that it causes you to live in a plane like you've never lived in before. That's what I care about. And every day that I come to this pulpit, I'm praying that God will allow a word to come forth in such a way that it will change your life, that it will bring you to a place of victory, that it will give you hope where there seems to be no hope. It says he saw them as sheep without a shepherd and he saw them as though they were harassed and helpless. The Hebrew words here that are used or excuse me, the Greek words that are used here for harassed and helpless would typically be uh, the, the, the interpreted as the word for frayed. In other words, they were scarred. They, they were ripped. Someone had torn their flesh. We know that in, in those days that shepherds were the only protection that sheep had. And when the wolves came into the camp and tore them, they would, they would put salve on their wounds and, and, and they, they would medicate them and they would keep them close by until they healed. And what Jesus was saying is, there are people in your realm of influence who are frayed by the devil. They're frayed by the enemy. They're harassed. They are helpless. They are hopeless. And the only hope that they have is someone like you coming into their life and praying with them and touching them and ministering to them in a way that will bring them to wholeness. Listen, this world we live in today is crazy. I mean, we don't understand. I heard on the news that suicides suicides in the United States are at an all-time high. Higher this year than ever before. Just this week, we lost two celebrities because they took their own life by hanging. Kate Spade, many of you know who she is. Had more money than she'd ever know what to do with. She was known all around the world for her designs and for her purses. And then just a couple of days ago, Anthony Bourdain hung himself in a hotel. A man who had more money than he would ever use in a lifetime. A man who had celebrity status. A man who was able to travel the world at any time. And yet he looked at his life and he saw something missing. He said, well, maybe, maybe it was just simply mental illness. Well, let me tell you something about that. I believe... That, that we do have a situation where our society needs to take a new look at mental illness. We, we need to uncover what needs to be uncovered about that. We need to help people who deal every day of their life with different forms of mental illness. And the church should not be pointing their fingers at them and calling them failures. Instead, the church should be wrapping their arms of love around them and asking, how can we help? I've noticed that you haven't been feeling good, that you haven't been acting the way that you normally do. Is there anything that I can pray with you about? You see, we're almost ashamed to ask anyone if they're struggling. Listen, church, if there's something we can do to help them, then we need to be willing to let God use us even in the midst of those who may be struggling with mental illness. So we need a heart to feel. And then thirdly, we need hands to work. Come help me if you will. The harvest is ripe. Now the word that Jesus uses here to describe the ripe harvest is a word that indicates that it is ready, now right now don't don't wait he said hey you would say in the natural realm four months and then comes the harvest he said i want you to look at the harvest right now and see that it is ripe it is ready let me tell you because of what jesus has done the ro- the harvest will be perpetually ripe. There will never be a season now where it will not be time for us to reap the harvest. God wants us involved. God wants us to reap what has been sown. What's the purpose of sowing if we don't reap? What would be the purpose of God raising up this church and restoring this church and healing this church if he does not have a purpose for us there would be no reason but let me tell you there is a reason God wants us in the harvest and he wants us to see it as something that needs to be harvested right now but he uses another word he says not only is it ripe he said but it's white that's an interesting word. I grew up in a farming community and I heard that a lot while I was growing up. Because you see, when a harvest turns white, it means that if it is not harvested immediately, that the fruit will begin to disengage from the vine and will fall to the ground and rot and won't be good for anything but fodder. When Jesus said the harvest is white, he's saying there's no time to wait. It is urgent. Now is the time to reap the harvest because it's white. And if we don't get to it now, the fruit is going to release from the vine and death will ensue. Listen, our city needs us to be strong. Our community needs us to be effective. Our own local body needs you to step into some roles that will enable our children to be taught and trained in a way that when they're old, they'll not depart from it. How many of you remember? who your Sunday school teacher was when you were young? Can I see your hands? Keep them up for just a minute. I want to look. I want to look good at you. You remember who your Sunday school teacher was? Wouldn't you like to be one of those people that 25 years from now when a pastor asks, I'll be in heaven in 25 years likely. You never know. When some preacher stands and says, do you remember your Sunday school teacher? Wouldn't it be great if you were the one who had invested in those children and those young people so that they could learn the things of Jesus Christ? It's white. Listen, our young people, we don't have time to wait. The majority of our youth and our children, if they're going to accept Christ, They're going to do so before their 18th birthday. After the 18th birthday, the chances of them accepting Christ go way down. I'm telling you, we don't have time to waste. We have to be teaching these children about who Jesus is, not just in the childcare, but those children who attend this church and call this church home. We don't have time to play with their souls We need laborers. We need harvesters. I want to close with this illustration. How many of you like watermelon? Can I see your hands? Somebody told me the other day, said, Pastor, would you please stop preaching about food? But watermelon's not really food. You know, it just, it's one of those things that goes out and process pretty quickly if you know what I mean how many of you remember the old fashioned honest to goodness home grown watermelons that had those big black seeds in them that you had to eat and then you had to spit them out my mom and dad used to always tell me don't, don't swallow those seeds now grow a watermelon in your stomach and vines will start growing out your ear. How many of your parents ever told you that lie? In my opinion, those old-fashioned, old-time, homegrown, seeded watermelons can't be beat when it comes to taste and texture, sweetness and goodness. But as we often do, we thought we had a better idea. So we decided that we would start harvesting seedless watermelons. All you gotta do is bust them open and start eating. Oh, there's a few little seeds in there, but they're little tiny white seeds. How many of you know what I'm talking about? They're not near as good as the regular watermelons, but you can eat those little white seeds and it won't hurt you. You know why? because they don't have the ability to reproduce. They are infertile. The difference between a regular watermelon and a seedless watermelon is that a seedless watermelon is a one-shot shebang. That's all there is. The regular watermelons are made to reproduce take those black seeds and put them in the ground and they won't bring forth fruit. But that seedless watermelon, you better enjoy it going down because when it's gone, that's all there is to it. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to tell you that God has not called his church to be a seedless, fruitless, fruitless, He didn't call us to not reproduce. He didn't call us just to be sweet. He didn't call us just to look good, to put on a show. He didn't call us to be consumers only. And that's what it seedless watermelon is when we eat seedless watermelons all we care about is getting the taste for the moment without any fruit for the future our church cannot succumb to that because if we become a seedless fruitless congregation There will come a day when this phoenix that rose will die and be kicked away into the street because we don't produce fruit. I say, Pastor, that's the reason we hired you. We want you to stay busy. We want you to do everything. We want you to preach and teach. We want you to visit the hospitals. We, we want you to call people that haven't been to church in a while. We want you to do all that. See, you've got to you got to understand God didn't call me here to do those things. I can do that. I do do that. That's not my primary responsibility. My primary responsibility is to teach and to train the body of Christ. So that you can do the work of the kingdom. And here is my, here's what you've got to understand. You say, well, pastor, but I'm so needy myself. Pastor, I have so many needs myself. I have so many things myself. I could never give up a service in the sanctuary. I need to hear preaching. Preaching. I need it myself. I could never give up a Sunday to teach a child. I need it myself. Let me tell you something. Your service to the kingdom of God is what will be the breakthrough in your own needs. Say, can you prove that? Yeah. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness and all of these things will be added unto you. When you give, blessing comes back into your life. When you touch others, it comes back to you. It can't be any other way because that's the way God designed it. So I'm asking you today, please Refuse to be a consumer. Refuse to be a seedless watermelon that simply is a one-shot shebang that is good for nothing but to have the whole thrown into the trash can. Let God help you become the fruit-bearing man and woman of God that He has called you to be. Will you stand with me this morning? You know what struck me about what Jesus said? And I hope that I've been able to say it in such a way that you won't go home today. And well, well, pastor was in one of his moods today. You know what struck me when I read the words of Jesus? Jesus. Jesus was not upset with the disciples he wasn't saying to them you bunch of dummies Can't you see what needs to be done? Can't you see that you need to be involved no? He was showing them the potential that Existed if they would just simply walk In the anointing that he was giving them All they had to do was be obedient All they had to do was be active. All they had to do was walk in his anointing. For you see, when we do that, God works with us. Let me tell you, if God's for us, give me an example of one person or one demonic power that can stand against us. Not one. Not one. Not one. Not one. Not one, not one, not one. You say, well, I'm sick. I've got disease. He's the healer. He can heal you. He can give you the strength that you need. Well, I've got, I, I've got a bad attitude. Well, he can give you the joy that you need to get past that attitude. He can, he can help you do anything that needs to be done in your life so that you can be the man and woman of God that he's called you to be. We're going to close with communion this morning. And as Miss Liz begins to sing, I want you to come, ushers, come, prepare yourself. And while you're coming, while you're coming today, I want to ask you if you'll join me over the next few weeks in praying to the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers in the field. That's what he said do. You know that, right? You saw that today in the scripture. The harvest is ripe, it's white, it's ready. Pray ye, therefore, to the Lord of the harvest that he might send laborers into the field. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask the Lord to send laborers. I want you to say, Lord... I want you to cause people to move into Louisville that need a good church home. People who are anointed by your hand. God, I'm asking you to bring people who know how to minister to children. I'm praying that you'll bring musicians, prayer warriors. I pray that you'll bring people with thick wallets and they don't mind giving because they've been called. God, we need laborers. We need help for this next phase. God, we're not giving up. We're not turning back. We're not turning around. You didn't raise uh, us uh, up out of the ashes so that we could just be mediocre. No, no, no. You called us up to reap the harvest that he has for us to reap. And I want you to pray for God to send uh, harvesters, laborers into this local expression of the body of Christ. And you know what I believe is going to happen? I believe while you're praying for God to send others, it's going to rise up in you and you're going to say, well, why don't I just do it? I'm tempted. I'm I'm, I'm available. I'm not doing anything. I'm called. I'm anointed. I have the ability. God, send others. But while you send others, I'm going to get started myself doing what needs to be done in the kingdom of God.